All right, Drew, thanks for uh, jumping on last minute. Um, this is episode 30 for me. This should come out in about mid to late November. So I'm going to hand it off to you for you to give everybody your uh, elevator pitch. <laughs> now, help me out. What is an elevator pitch? That might just be American vernacular. To well, give, give us your like 30 second intro, you know, kind of uh, what you do, you know, what, oh, yeah, what cool, kind of cool. got you interested in the podcasting? Um, yeah, just Drew Missing from your Missing the Point podcast. I initially started off listening to podcasts during COVID. Um, initially, it was OBDM, Our Big Dumb Mouth. Um, then it was Union of the Unwanted and a couple of those other shows. Um, legit bat those types of ones it was just a bit of a, a means of escape during the th like near three and a half years of lockdown in victoria so eventually that m manifested into me reaching out to a couple of the podcasters that i listen to letting them know i like their work and guest appearing on deborah gets red peeled with um adam chud and deborah so kind of started off there i thought yeah i can do this and kind of just started my own show and my means of getting my voice out there and talking a bit and it's almost like it's uh, a bit of uh, a mental relief just to, yeah. to speak to people who who are like-minded or open to different things that don't necessarily follow the mainstream. I agree. I, I joke. I say it's it's cheap therapy. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> uh, but okay. Uh, well, I know we had kind of gone back and forth a couple of weeks ago on what we were going to talk about. And it seemed like the easiest thing for us would be some hunting and fishing. So I'm, I'm from Tennessee, right? Things are totally different in my part of the world on, on hunting. Could you just kind of give me a brief overview on how all that works in your part of the world? Uh, well, all the deer species in Australia are introduced. So we don't have any native deer in Australia. We're not allowed to, as whitefellas, hunt any of our native species. So that's kind of off the cards and the indigenous people are allowed to do that um so it's literally just introduced species like rabbit deer uh, foxes quail some native quail some non-native quail the only native species we can hunt in australia tend to be our birds and our um and what waterfowl and just uh land-based birds like quail and all that type of thing but generally for the most part it's our introduced species so we don't really have any hunting seasons uh like that we can shoot them any time of the year we want anytime we want to stock the freezer full of some venison. That's when we can do it. Um, the There's no tag systems in Australia at all because that they're an endemic um, introduced species. It's kind of a free-for-all, really. So much to the point that our state governments actively send out chopper crews in helicopters with AR-15s and they shoot as many as they can in the high country and then just leave them there, which is a damn shame. Hmm. Okay, yeah, I knew I knew they'd done some stuff like that with maybe goats in New Zealand at one point. Um, that's that's I mean I think that's kind of cool, but uh, <laughs> you know that's kind of the uh, the Texas thing, right? To go hunt out of a helicopter. But uh, you said it's a bunch of deer species, right? Is it all? Is it Eurasian deer? Did I or am I just making that up? Yeah, it's a mix of Eurasian and European. So the the main introduced species of the larger deer are our red deer. Um, which there's a mix of Whoppity Cross in there as well. So you've got that along Queensland into New South Wales into northern Victoria. We've then got the Asiatic deer, which is a Samba, which is similar size to a red deer, big dark brown guys. Um, they're from swamplands in Indonesia, India and the like. They've actually adapted really well to the Victorian bushland. It's almost like they're meant to be here. We've then got fallow deer. So they're from Europe, smaller deer again. Then hog deer, which is an, another Asiatic swamp deer, which is about the size of a sheep. 
really good eating, very hard to get a hold of in Australia. Um, we've got uh, Rusa, which is similar to a Samba um, and Sika. There's a bunch of mostly Asiatic, and then there's a few little European deer we've got here as well. Okay, so uh, do you hunt pretty regularly, or is it just something you kind of do when you get a, a chance? And did you grow up hunting, or is it just something you kind of fell into? I grew up hunting. My dad's a hunter. Um, I'm in regional Victoria, so um, our area is considered Samba country, so nearly every man and their dog, they go out hunting. Dad started off in um, hound crews, so running out with um, dogs that would run the Samba down, and then they'd push them up on the on the hunter and they'd shoot the deer. He moved out of that into stalking. And that's when I kind of got into hunting with dad. It was just a, a means of tracking, going through the sign, looking through the bush, finding rubbings, wallows, and then going out and finding um, the deer. It's a bit more of a, I think a, sorry, cat scratching the background. <laughs> it's a bit more of a challenge than what hound hunting is. It's, sitting up on a gully, glassing the area with the scope and and waiting for things. It's um probably the closest thing in Australia you'd get to what blind hunting would be, but you don't necessarily stay in any one spot. You're con constantly moving, trying to push the deer out and, and find them as you can. Okay, yeah, I know uh, uh, what you're describing is more like hunting out west, uh, you know, the western, you know, part of the U.S., Montana, uh, you know, where you're <clears throat> walking around and looking for sign and uh, – do you do any backpacking while you're doing that? I mean, or yeah, it... that, that's generally what it is. It's, um, we call it stalking here. So generally you'd, for the most part, you'd spend a day or two backpacking into any kind of mountainous high country area. You'd set up a camp and then you'd, you put your day pack on and you'd go out and you'd scout an area out and then you come back each day. Um, that's the main part of stalking that we do here. Generally okay. it's a, a three or four day type of event. Okay. Um, so are there any sort of strange regulations on what you guys can and can't hunt with? I know uh, I told you I enjoy handgun hunting. I'm sure that's probably kind of foreign <laughs> to y'all over there. Very foreign, very foreign. Um, well, so we have caliber um, variation rules on what we can hunt. So depending on the size of the deer dictates what caliber of rifle you can use. Um, so for the larger deer, so your, your red deer, Wapiti Cross, your Samba, your Rusa, those types of deers, um, it's the 308, 306, that type of a caliber range. Um, your big your big mule kicking calibers. And then you get down to your smaller deer, like your fallow deer, your um, your hog deer and the like. You're, you're actually able to use 6.5 Creedmoors and, and smaller calibers like that. So it really just depends on what you're going after. Um, you can use 12 gauge with slugs on deer in Australia as well, but that tends to be more of an American thing. Um, I wanted to try that out with hog deer here, but just the size of the deer and the slug, it's just going to do too much damage. But um, yeah, it tends to be those larger caliber rifles. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm assuming getting firearms there is kind of a pain. There's a lot of hoops to jump through or is it, is it just, me being American thinking it's probably harder than it needs to be. Uh, it's, it's probably very hard in comparison to what Americans are used to. I can remember being in the States and going into a Walmart and seeing a sign that said a limit of five rifles and five pistols per customer per day. And I thought, fuck, this is heaven. Um, but in Australia, in comparison, we, so you go through the, to the police station, you sit the course, you get your shooter's license. Then you 
you have your junior permit and then you can get into your, your adult permit after that, which I did as a kid and then got my adult shooter's license. After that, when you go to buy your first rifle, there's like a three month off, three month like cooling off period where they do background checks and everything like that. So it takes a while to get your first gun. And then after that, it's not as long a process. Usually your firearm register or your um, gun store you're buying from, they can process it in about a week, two weeks, depending on what you're getting. Um, but yeah, just the, the usual shit that's associated with governments and control. They want to know what you're buying, where you're storing it, how you're storing it. Um, there's license variations in Australia. So there's, depending on what category of license you have, it is, dictates what type of firearms you can have. Um, I have a category A and B, which is long arms, shotguns, and air rifles. Um, after that, it's a category C where you can have semi-automatics, which is generally reserved for people in the military, um, police, and farmers, ironically, can have those as well. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess the only thing I would say would be anything comparable. Would You know, we have hunter's education, which you've got to have to hunt by yourself. Uh, and then would be NF, you know, buying NFA items, you know, machine guns, short barrel rifles, and silencers. That's about the only, you know, thing that hems you up. I actually joke, I'm in so many systems as it is. I'm like, I don't even know why we're doing the background check. Like they click the button and it comes back. So, um, do y'all have archery hunting over there? Is that something that's popular? We do. It's been getting bigger in the last couple of um, decades. So the last you know, 10, 15 years or so. Um, it's had a little bit of a, a cult following and it's picked up over time, especially the likes of Joe Rogan and stuff becoming popular. There's a lot of guys up north in Queensland which go bow hunting on on the red deer. Um, it's interesting, but it's not something I think I would I think I would ever get into. I, t I tend to like the stalking and and the backpacking in and out of country and and doing it that way. It's it's growing, but nowhere near the level of what firearms are. Okay. Um last thing and then i'll move on to some fishing and and i do have a, a hog hunting question but uh is there a, any sort of history of like sport shooting uh i used to shoot a lot of trap and skeet and i believe i shot with some people from australia back in the day um yeah clay shooting's really big here um in my high school years i was in my school's clay shooting um group so little regional country government school we went out into melbourne we competed against all the private schools and they had their perfectly fine-tuned shotguns that are german made and pristine and have the embroidery and everything on the stock and then there was us country boys in there with our shotguns that we use on rabbits each weekend and and we went toe-to-toe -to -toe with them and clay shooting but it, it is big here um a lot of the the gold medals we get as a country in the commonwealth games and the olympics tend to be in those fields in clay shooting and um and target shooting Okay. Uh, are y'all still connected with uh, the UK? You said the Commonwealth Games, or is that just something that's carried over? Yeah, yeah, we're still part of the Commonwealth. So our, our head of state is still the king. It used to be the queen, is now the king. So um, Commonwealth Games is something we always participate in. We were actually supposed to host the 2026 20, Commonwealth Games, but our state, state premier um, cancelled it at the last minute. So that's caused a bit of a shit show across the Commonwealth now with Canada also knocking it back. So I don't know how long the the empire has left in its current form. I got you. Um, so hog hunting, right? I, that's one thing I find really interesting. Uh, I've been on one hog hunt in my life, but I've watched a lot of YouTube videos of guys in Australia hog hunting, either, you know, get, being on four wheelers or kayaks and, and hunting that way. Uh, is that something you have any familiarity with? 
Uh, in my region, we don't have too many wild populations of pigs. That tends to be a Western Australian, Queensland, New South Wales, Northern Territory type of a deal where the, the numbers just exploded where they are. Also goats around here. So a lot of people had pet goats and they've kind of got out into the bush and then kind of bred out in numbers. Hog hunting is really interesting here. Um, a lot of guys run their dogs, so they've got like just mongrel mixes of dogs, pit bulls, all sorts of things thrown into them. And they armor them up with their leather armor and they just set the dogs out on the pigs because they need the armor because the, the tusks, the, the pigs will tear the dogs up. But a lot of guys, they, they'll have their firearms, but some a lot of the young guys who are a bit wild, they'll send the, the dogs out, they'll let the dogs pin down the, the pig and then they'll, they'll knife it. And that's how they'll kill the boar. They'll let the dogs pin it down and then they'll just finish it with a knife. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the only way I've been hog hunting. Um, it's different. Uh, it, to me, that was about the most exciting hunt I've had. But um, yeah, that's also kind of a, uh, a southern U.S. thing. Actually, you know, a lot of people here view hunting with dogs like that as kind of like the white trash, you know, <laughs> redneck thing to do. Yeah, um, we, uh, we tend to think of it as Southerners in Australia. We tend to think that's a, a Northern Bogan thing to do. Um, we're a bit more refined and we just use our firearms. <laughs> I gotcha. Well, um, what about fishing? That is something I don't have the patience to do. I used to joke. I could say, you know, I can sit outside all day in the heat and shoot 300 targets uh, and then go to a shoot off. But God forbid you give me a fishing rod and stick me in a boat. <laughs> I just can't do it. So, uh, y'all, how, how does that work over there? Is it mainly rivers or offshore or uh, mix of everything? Naturally, being an, an island continent, uh, fishing and recreation is huge in Australia. Yet again, there are regulations out the wazoo for all of this. You need a fishing license in Victoria, most states across Australia. Um, <clears throat> there are bag limits on what fish you can get and what sizes you can take. Um, but there's a whole mix of things. There's fly fishing, which is inland and across our rivers and streams in Victoria for rainbow trout, um, brown trout, that type of thing. And then you go offshore where you've got surf fishing, where people tend to have their really big, long surf rods and they'll stay on the shore and they'll cast out over the, the sandbars and, and go fishing that way. And then there's just off boat, which is predominantly what I've done a lot of my lifetime. My dad's always had boats and we, we go out, go over to the, the beach house over a weekend and go out for a fish and have a good time. It's, it's massively huge in Australia and it's really disappointing that we're going down that green agenda of the environments being a focus, which is great. Like we want to protect our fisheries and make sure there's enough for everyone, but it seems to be that their answer to it all is just banning things left, right and center. And I, I wouldn't give it too much longer if fishing is that heavily regulated here that there's no point in actually going out anymore. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know if it's a problem in your part of the world, but uh, from what I understand, the Chinese are pretty bad about coming, you know, close close to international waters and just overfishing everything. Um, um, it, go ahead. Sorry, we're lucky that we're that far south. Um, if the Chinese made it this far down to us, I think the Navy <laughs> should have picked them up before now. Um, more so Queensland, uh, top of Western Australia, that type of area near Indonesia. We get a lot of Indonesian fishermen that go through and, and troll and catch all the fish in our top ends. But luckily, the majority of fish down here, it's they're in the, the, the reserves where there should be enough for everyone. But then again, you've got the local cowboys that go out there netting and they'll just decimate areas and 
do the wrong thing by everyone and just overcatch, and then we have to wait for the populations to come back. Hmm. Yeah, I've always joked. I think fishing is just a good excuse to drink beer. That's, <laughs> that's all it's ever been, at least for me, you know. Um, so do you do any fly fishing? That seems something that's really relaxing. I don't know if it is, but uh, I went out west last year and I just saw tons of people doing it. Yeah, um, I've got a few mates who got into it and they tried to get me on board and I found it just inherently frustrating, whether it was I couldn't get the technique down or couldn't figure out the flies. I just, I couldn't get it. It just didn't sit well with me. It's not the usual cast, drop the the line, let it go out a bit and then flick over the, the spindle. But it's big here for the types of rivers we've got in Victoria. It's um, Victoria and Tasmania, probably the closest you'd get to what Europe would be in fly fishing. We've got a lot of good little streams and estuaries. So it is big, but I'm not a fan of it. Like you said, it's a bit too slow for me. Um, it seems to be a gentlemanly pursuit. A lot of people put it down to, but I prefer to uh, just fish in, in uh, lakes and streams going for Australian game fish, like the Australian bass, the uh, the Murray cod, which are massive. They can get like 1.5 metres long. They're huge, Damn. absolute beasts. Um, and catfish and things like that. But yeah, the flies tend to be more of those introduced species more than anything else. Okay. Now with, uh, with the hunting and fishing you do, I'm assuming you eat most everything that you, I guess, harvest? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the only thing that we kind of have to be cautious of in Australia is our government released a a virus into the wild rabbit populations to try and kill them off. So um, Mixo and a couple of other viruses, man-made viruses were put into the population. So generally you have to be careful where you're harvesting rabbit from. Um, there seems to be a, a bit of a tell where you, as soon as you skin them and you take out all the organs, if the liver has black spots or the lungs have black spots on it, it's, it tends to be a bit of a sign that they've actually caught one of those diseases. So you kind of steer clear of it. Hmm. Wow, that's uh, that's crazy. I, I know they've talked about doing stuff like that with uh, with hogs in Texas, but uh, that's. <clears throat> I guess there's not really many native species, right? That are uh, as destructive as a lot of the things that have been introduced. Well, that's that seems to be a bit a bit of the misconsensus, and a lot of the greenies tend to think they. Um, the argument, especially around deer, is that deer in the high country they trample and they destroy the native grasses and they rub the trees and they're just. They're invasive species. But if you look what a wombat does on the average, the wombat digs up so many holes, um, eats the root systems and and are like around trees to the point where they collapse. Some of our most destructive species are actually native. So if anything, a couple of these introduced species really aren't doing all too much. If anything, the deer here are a good thing because they they eat all the, uh, the low-growing um, green growth and prevent forest fires, so... Okay. Bushfires. That'd be better than hmm. having them killed off, I think. Um, what about kangaroos? Is that something y'all can hunt? Uh, I've heard stories of people back in the day having like driven kangaroo hunts. I, I hear they're kind of a nuisance at times. Is, is that true? So uh, at one point we were allowed to shoot kangaroos. It was perfectly fine. My dad grew up in a family of nine. Um, his father was a World War II POW, very psychologically damaged and physically damaged man. So he had a lot of alcohol problems and whatnot. They grew up very poor, um, not having a lot to eat. So my dad's family was literally fed on kangaroo soup, kangaroo tail soup, um, rabbits, whatever they could get a hold of, that's what they ate. So kangaroo was a big staple of the Australian diet for um, Western 
westernized Australians for a long time until we brought in the axe where only indigenous people can hunt them. You'll find that they'll do a cull every now and again, that the numbers of kangaroos have exploded to the point where they have to go out and shoot a few thousand of them at any given time. That's mostly due to a lot of Victoria was covered in red gum forest and a lot of old growth forest. And as the farmers came in colonization, they clear felled areas for farming and that naturally gave lots of open land for grass, which the kangaroos eat. So naturally their populations exploded with the access to more food. I got you. So uh, the, is it the Aborigine that are y'all's indigenous people? Yeah. So there's the Aboriginals. Um, and then there's a bit of a, a contentious issue where there was actually a possibly uh, a native people here prior to the indigenous people, which are a, a pygmy race of people in North Queensland, um, which are referred to as a, the Negro Grotti, which were a smaller pygmy people, which supposedly um, looked a bit more African in appearance to what our mainland Aboriginal Australians are. Okay. So the, uh, the Aborigine, what, what can they hunt? I mean, you know, you said that there are, are certain native species that you can't hunt. What would a few of them be? I know you just said the kangaroos one. Yeah. So for the most part, they can they can go after pretty much everything. Unless there's a critically endangered species, um, generally they can go after anything. Um, so we've got our Aboriginals and Torres Strait Islanders, which are the islands above Australia. Uh, wombats, kangaroos, possums, wallabies, which is like a smaller version of a kangaroo, emus, goannas, snakes, whatever they want, really, they can go after. Um, even dugongs, so like the southern hemisphere version of the manatee. <laughs> I've seen a couple of young guys up north which will just jump over the side of a boat and and stick a manatee and cut it in half in the water and then put it up on a canoe. Um, yeah, it's it's really quite messed up how there's rules for thee and not for me, how certain people can hunt certain things but we can't. Yeah, yeah, you're really highlighting the uh, whole being a second-class citizen. So uh, do they get government assistance and all kinds of stuff like maybe some of the Native Americans in uh, the U.S. do? I mean, do they have like reservations or anything for them? Um, not not in the traditional sense of a reservation. In the States, you guys have got reservations, which were kind of like signed-off areas that will we'll send you to this place because of like treaties and type of, that type of thing. We don't have a treaty in Australia. Um, so for the most part, there are traditional lands, air quotes, but it's not to the extent of reserves in America where they can kind of be self-governing and have their own police and everything. The, the government's still very heavily involved in what Indigenous people can and can't do. Um, but they, in saying that, they do receive a lot of funding. Um, generally, there's anywhere between 24 to $30 billion a year is spent on um, Indigenous Australians to try and close the gap. Um, and for listeners who don't know what that is, there's a gap between Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australians, life expectancy, health, education, um, all sorts of metrics across the board where Indigenous people come out a lot lower than what um, non-Indigenous Australians do. Okay, so they are, are they pretty well integrated into y'all society or do they just kind of stick with their own people in their own areas? I mean, I'm not familiar with the geography of Australia. I'll, I'll be... 100% honest, um, you might have to walk me through that a little more. Yeah, so Australia is roughly the size of the United States, um, larger than Europe. So we have a massive, massive landmass that 
in itself, we have states that are larger than multiple European countries, larger than multiple US states combined. And if you go back far enough, the indigenous nations that we hear, there was there's over 500 nations with 900 different um, languages in amongst that. So the variations in our First Nations people from one place to the other is astronomical to the point where, depending on what areas of Australia were settled first, kind of dictates how integrated the uh, the First Nations people are. The east coast of Australia was colonised first, so New South Wales, Victoria, and they kind of moved out west a lot like in the United States. So the Indigenous people that are tr- traditionally found in um, southeastern Australia, for the most part, and this can be a bit quite controversial, they are they're mixed peoples. They've got a lot of mixed ancestry, so it's not just Indigenous. They've got um, European, Scotch, Irish ancestry in along with them. Um a lot of my mates from the mobs around here, they tend to call other Aboriginals who are a lot lighter in skin tone milkies. They've got more milk in them than they do coffee. Um, <laughs> uh, apart from that, if you go up north and to Western Australia, you have the remote communities who are still holding corroborees and living their traditional lifestyles that really haven't changed for about 60,000 years. So there's a big difference between city Aboriginals and regional country Aboriginals, that's for sure. I got you. Well, man, uh, I'm unfortunately going to have to wrap this up. Uh, looks like I've had a waterline, uh, bust. Uh, is there any way you can drop your plugs and kind of close this for me? Yeah, sure. Um, you drew missing from your missing the point podcast. You can find me on all the usual podcatchers, uh, missing is spelt M I double S E N. Um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. I'm search band and shadow band on Twitter and Instagram. So you might have to find me via a direct link, which maybe I can send um, to put in the show notes. But yeah, just find me in all the usual places. For sure, man. Uh, I will have to have you back on if you'll uh, if you'll come. I'd like to uh, maybe talk about some of your experiences with uh, lockdown uh, during the craziness of 2020. Sure, Matt. Sounds good. All right. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on.